You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Lacrosse Boots. You already know that Lacrosse makes some badass rubber boots, but did you know they've come out with a new lineup called the Navigator Series? In the Navigator Series, they have the Windrose, and then they also have the Atlas. I rocked the Atlas all year long. Awesome boot. You guys should check it out. They also have some new stuff coming in 2020 that you guys need to keep an eye out, and it's going to be geared more towards the active hunter someone who is maybe hiking in a long distance someone that's maybe doing some western hunts as well so if you want to find out more information on the navigator series and the new boots that are coming your way check out lacrossefootwear.com That's what I call pro talk. When you really don't know that, then you just make it up. That it's my rut is that I am in a rut. To get the pilot of Red Arrow going. There's really a way to skip class. I want to say, hey, those boys right there in the <laughs> That's the nicest thing anybody's ever said on this podcast. Alex Rose here with American Roots Outdoors TV. Hey, this is Lee and Tiffany Lukowski from the Crest TV. Hi, I'm Don Higgins. This is Jeff Lindsay. Hey, everybody, this is Mark Dury with Dury Outdoors. Hey, this is Craig Fitz with Crane Assassins TV. You're listening to Dave and JP on Pro Talk Outdoors, the craziest two I know. Hey everybody, welcome to Pro Talk Outdoors, the first episode we're recording in 2020. So does this mean that, that hindsight is irrelevant this I year? I was waiting for that to come out, man. I was waiting for it. You know, I yeah, I guess it's irrelevant. Hindsight's 2020. No, it's well, 2019's hindsight. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. It's going to be a fun year for Pro Talk Outdoors and in a rut. Uh, this time last year, I know we were already reflecting on a, a pretty incredible deer season and and whitetail treated us well in 2018 and it did not in 2019 i'd say it treated you well it didn't really treat me well i didn't have a good year in no you didn't have a good year i've had i've had two stinkers in a row 2018 was probably my best yeah yeah you know and um it was one of my worst Unfortunately, I I topped that in 2019. <laughs> well, we both struggled in 19, so we're we're rolling into a new year, and technically there's a little bit of time left in Kentucky deer season, but if we continue to have 50-degree days, it's probably over for us. Yeah, it's not looking good, that's for sure. I mean, the one thing you hope in late in the season is is that you get weather to cooperate and get really cold and nasty and get those big deer on their feet so you can get them eaten, get them on those uh, real-world 
real world food plots. I couldn't get that out. And, uh, you know, get them in daylight so you can uh, get an opportunity. And it's just not cooperating at yeah. all. Well, you know, it's funny. You and I had started almost, it was almost a tradition. I, doesn't it take three to make a pattern and, you know, some folks call a pattern a tradition, where we were going fishing on New Year's Day. Yeah. And, you know, it had been ice fishing for two years in a row, and this year it was just the right conditions where, obviously, ice fishing was completely out because it hadn't been nearly cold enough, and then it wasn't warm enough to go do any regular bank or, or boat fishing. It was just kind of miserable, so... Yep, bad deal. We, we didn't do anything New Year's Day, and it's it's kind of been a slower start on that. Kind of sounds like we're depressed a little bit right now. I'm not depressed, but I'm... I'm getting the itch to go fishing, which you know me. It doesn't take long after the first of the year before it hits me so bad that I want to go bassing. Yeah, this is that rough time of year where you got, you know, it's a, either season, deer season's either over or almost over, and then it's too early to go shed hunting. It's too early to start working on, uh, well, I guess it's not really too early to work on land improvement, but, you you know, I don't feel like doing it right now. And, uh you get into the ATA shows coming up here in the next week or so, and then you get into the trade show season, and it's just kind of like, eh, let's just skip on up to finding some sheds, and then we'll get some food plots in the ground mm-hmm. and turkey hunt and bass fish and get it all going. Yeah, I mean, I'm just doing high school basketball on the radio right now. It's kind of a, a little entertainment and fun on the side, and, and that's that's it until we get started on some of that other stuff. But, uh, you know, as far as, as rolling into a new year and – things of that nature, we kind of want to spend a little bit of time kicking the year off about how you can make yourself better. And some people do the New Year's resolutions. I know every morning I'm in the gym now, I can't get a darn shower when I'm done because the amount of people that are in the gym has tripled. And I know it's going to wear off by the end of the year. Super glad these people <laughs> the are... End the, year. Or by the, the end by of the year. By the end of the month, I mean. Yeah. I'm super glad these people are trying it, but for now it's... You know, it is what it is. But in the spirit of a, of a resolution or making yourself better, instead of doing something frivolous that you don't commit to, we kind of want to focus on something as outdoorsmen and, and outdoors women, if you prefer to be separated like that, uh, that you can do to paint yourself and the community in a better light. And that's really important. It really is. And I've had this conversation with you before, and, and I'll leave it at this uh it's it's been tough for me since you and I have joined in on this hunting community and launched Pro Talk Outdoors a few years ago. You, you're you know, talking about the industry itself, not just I'm talking the in, a hunter. I'm, no, I'm talking the industry okay. itself. You know, I've had so much fun. It's been such a rewarding experience, but more in the last calendar year than ever before. And it, I mean, it had been mounting up a little bit, but especially the last calendar year or so. It has been incredibly difficult for me to continue to identify as a member of the hunting community. And that's not me being a bleeding heart millennial. Uh, It's me being honest that so many people do this the wrong way in terms of how they treat one another within the community or paint the light of everybody. You know, I mean, they just make everybody look bad by some of the dumbass things they do. Pardon my French. Yeah, and you know what, and I'll be... (laughs) I've kind of, and you probably noticed this with my, some of my social media posts, and, and it kind of, it even gets into a little bit political sometimes with me. But I, I really struggle now, and I think it's my my I don't want to call it old age, my middle age. Getting old, coach. <laughs> that uh, I, I see things, and I'm like, man, I just want to take that young man aside or that young lady aside and just say, what the hell are you doing? 
Mm-hmm. You know, look, do you realize what this looks like to somebody that's that's watching this or somebody that's seeing this? Do you realize what kind of yeah. negativity you're bringing down on not just you, but me also and my my kids and my grandkids and mm-hmm. everybody? It's the entire because all you got to do is just one one idiotic thing. And all of a sudden, everybody that sees that has got that perception of every hunter is an idiot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it's and it sticks with so many folks that that just get a glance here or there of this or that. And you know, perception is reality in this world, and, and that's not something that's new. I think it's accentuated because of media and how everything is in your face at all times. But just be a good freaking person. It's yeah. not that hard. It, it and, and I don't have that same desire that you do to pull somebody aside and coach them on it. I wish I did. But damn it, just be a good person. It's not that hard. You, be, you, you'll get there. you got another 20 years to go. I don't know if go. I want to get there. I <laughs> you, want people you, to act trust right. Me, you act don't right. want to get there. But, you know, and, and folks, if you're not sure what we're talking about, we're talking about things like what you saw in Pennsylvania with the, the, the two knuckleheads over there just beating a deer about the I'm head. I'm so disgusted. And, uh, you know, things like that. You know, just the people that are – that are poaching and bragging about it online. Just just so many daggone things that are just really distasteful and disgusting. And and uh, I guess what we're saying is, as hunters and outdoors folks, we can be our own worst enemy. And sometimes I think that's exactly what we're doing. And uh, we really got to refocus. I hope we struck a nerve with you. It obviously struck a nerve with me. And we're going to talk to somebody that has a lot of firsthand experience in this kind of thing. We'll be back. You're listening to Pro Talk Outdoors. Hey everybody, welcome back to Pro Talk Outdoors. JP and Dave here, and we're joined by somebody that knows exactly what it's like to try to paint herself and the community, the hunting community, outdoor community, just in a positive light. And and Kendall, number one, thank you so much for coming on the show, but number two, what kind of things can folks within the hunting industry and community and, and fishing industry, everybody just pay more attention at painting each other in a good light and show these activities as wholesome and and not something negative and really just stop with all the negativity. What's the best thing somebody can do to take steps to do that for one another? Well, hello. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. And that is a very good question. I get asked that question quite a bit and just the divide that we have within our own industry. I always think if One, I never get on social media and tell people what they're doing wrong or what they don't like. I just don't think that's beneficial to anyone. If you don't like it, then just move on with your life. Like, don't let it affect you that much. That's good advice Um, because me being a little bit older, I get a little crotchety sometimes, (laughs) and it's so hard for me to bite my tongue and not say, man, quit that. And see, Kendall, I'm closer to to your age. I I don't see things the way Dave sees them all the time, but my whole thing is it's not that hard to be a good person. You know, I I don't want to go out and correct somebody or pull them aside and and try to show them that what they're doing is pulling everybody down. I I just wish they would have enough sense to be a good person from the start. Exactly. Like, um, I mean, especially with social media, the industry has changed so much over the past couple years. Um. And it has also caused a lot of hate. I think that we as a hunting industry and fishing industry divide ourselves just because we don't like the way someone promotes hunting on social media. And um, I was going somewhere with this and I totally forgot. Well, I tell you Um, what, I I know that a lot of folks, whenever they see your name on this podcast, they're going to kind of know your background, your history a little bit. 
but I think it's probably beneficial for those that maybe haven't heard your story. Just give us a brief synopsis of kind of how you were uh, not necessarily trying to be forced into the limelight, but you got put there. Yes, absolutely. Um, So, yeah, I have hunted since I was a child, and I'm an only child, so I was my dad's little girl. And he would always take me hunting and fishing and do all the outdoor things and treated me like I was a boy. So I just knew from an early age that I loved hunting and I loved what it was about and why we do it. And so whenever I was 19, I had been to Africa a couple of times before, but um, whenever I was 19 is kind of whenever I got shot into the limelight. And I went over to South Africa and I was on the quest to shoot Dangerous 7. And for those of you that don't know what the Dangerous Seven are, it's a leopard, lion, elephant, cape buffalo, rhino. Those are the big five. And then if you add on the hippo and the crocodile, um, that becomes a Dangerous Seven. So I went over there um, wanting to get my Dangerous Seven. And about halfway through, I had shot my leopard and my elephant. And then I was on my hunt for my lion. And... um, I had been posting it on social media and the traction like came a little bit with the leopard and elephant and then the lion just set everyone off. And um, there was a ton of news articles and social media threats and um, from all over the world. So I literally gained my followers overnight. And just since then, that was back in 2014. And since then, I've kind of turned my platform around as to what people actually think of me because I love hunting in Africa. I love just being outdoors and it's so special over there in South Africa. So people always ask, would I do it again? And yes, absolutely, because it's what I love to do and I know why I do it and the benefits that come from it. So um, I was kind of just starting to to have a platform and um, I try to just promote it the best for hunters in general and I do hunting that a lot of people don't do and other people do hunting that I never do and so who back to what we were talking about um, why bring someone else down just because they hunt different than you at least they're getting outdoors and um, continuing our passion and passing it down to the next generation. That's that's a great point, and I, I'm sure you see a lot of different things than what JP and I do. We're we're in Southern Indiana, uh, so I mean, we probably don't see the same type of, let's call them disagreements that you may see, uh, necessarily. But you know, there's one that we that I see all the time, and it's and and honestly, it I, I can see both sides of it. I really do, but at the same time, I, I try to see the greater good in, in squashing the conversation, but it's the crossbow thing. You know, the, folks talk about the negativity of crossbows and what it's doing to the archery industry and, and doing to, uh, you know, maybe your local deer herds and everything. And, and, and I just see that as something that's not being positive for the hunting community, but at the same time, I do see where it can be detrimental to the archery community. So it's kind of a double-edged sword there catch 22 a little bit yeah um you know i kind of see your point on both sides i actually just started hunting with a crossbow this year it was a weapon i never tried and um, i had the opportunity to partner with 10 10 point crossbows and i actually learned so much about um crossbows that get the negativity that they do throughout using it this year i actually took it to africa um and hunted 
a handful of animals over there. I want to say that I shot five animals over there with a crossbow. And I think there's so many benefits to it. And, but I also see the negative side of it too, but that's with anything, I believe. I think um, if there's a positive, there's going to be a negative somewhere else. So yes, it might be hurting the archery industry a little bit, but it's also a great alternative weapon for some people that can't shoot a bow. There's plenty of people out there that have shoulder surgeries or that have a disability or can't pull back a regular bow that this gives them an opportunity to still out to still get outdoors and um, do something within the archery industry. Absolutely it is and, and and again it's it's just we need to make sure we don't have that divide. I mean let's just I want to get your take on something now. I don't know if it, uh, I hope it's not, doesn't come across negative or anything, but I'm sure you've seen, <laughs> you've seen the, uh, the two younger guys that were just literally beating the hell out of that deer physically in Pennsylvania. I, I'm sure you saw that somewhere, haven't you? I actually haven't. I'll have to Really? Wow. What? Okay. Yeah. Now I know for sure, Kendall, you're telling the truth. You do not get on social media. <laughs> because <laughs> the, I was. I was literally about to say that, like, for the past, like, month or so, like, I've been on there posting, but I haven't really had time to just get on there and look and see what's going on. I've been so busy since November that social media has been on the back burner for me. Well, I'm, I'm in the same camp as you. Dave told me about it, I think, either late November or early December, and, and I kind of made the conscious decision to not go seek that out and uh you know if i saw it to scroll past it quickly and and your summary of it was enough for me but essentially kendall just to let you know what was going on uh these two young hunters uh essentially wounded a deer and it was not a lethal shot but he was down and they went up and, and physically uh kicked and did other harmful horrible things uh without doing the ethical thing and and you know, having a kill shot there and posted it online and laughing and, and some other pretty disgusting things within the video. I think there were Snapchat videos Snapchat and things like videos. that. Snapchat yeah. pretty, videos. Pretty horrible scene, obviously. And and I kind of made the choice that uh, some folks have made, and I didn't want to seek that out and, and physically see it myself after hearing kind of what the, the deal was. But I guess just to use that as a bridge here, things like that um, obviously paint the whole community in a pretty bad light. What can somebody as an individual do to sort of take an inch step forward every time they put something online that's related to that to get things going back in the right direction to really show what these activities are in truth rather than just what that small select few of dummies would be? What what can somebody do or focus on to make that happen? Um, yeah, that's a good question, and I had no idea about that, and I think I agree with you. I'm not going to go seek out that video because that's just not something I want to see, and I hate the interpretation that hunters hate animals. That's like, I get that question all the time, like, how can you hate or how can you love animals and then kill them, and um, hunters aren't just killers out there, and people like that that put that out there, they are the ones that there should be the device from, not the ones that are worried about shooting a bow versus a crossbow. We need to do, we need to divide between actual hunters, true hunters that know what it's about, and then the unethical ones that paint all of us in a bad light. Um, So to counteract that, I would say, like, um, I always try to do this in a couple of my posts. I definitely don't do it in all of them, but give facts 
in your post, like give a cool statistic, like let people know why you're doing it and not just let them see a dead animal saying like big buck down. That's a really good idea. Which, which I, I mean, I definitely do post pictures that don't have a descriptive, a descriptive caption, but then I always try to at least from um, one picture in my hunt, explain what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And just trying to educate people, but a lot of, people that follow me that aren't hunters that think it's cool um, and want to get into it. Well, I want to key in on a little bit of your your philanthropic efforts as well. You you know, you're not just doing your best to to change the image in in the industry for some of these folks that bring negative light, but uh, you're you're a philanthropic individual as well. I, I know you have a lot of charities that you participate in. How did you find some of these? How do you select them? And, And tell us a little bit about why they're near and dear to your heart. Yeah, so um, this the philanthropy work that I do is just something that um, I do from my house, and most of the time it's by myself, but my mom will help me, and I have um, a girl that works for me that she helps me, and sometimes my friends come around. So it's just something I do. It's not necessarily a nonprofit, but within that, in the money I raise, I donate it. I work with different nonprofits and donate to them. So there's a few local charities that um, – local to me that are like the women's crisis center and like the children's children's advocacy and heart kids and local churches that um i work with and like for my christmas angel option i ask all of them if they have any kids that need help buying christmas and so they'll send me their names and their wish list and um kind of give me a little bit of a description of what's going on i mean they can't really say too much um but so i know it's like actual people that need help and that's what i really like um about what i have been doing the i have worked with the salvation army in the past but it's not as personable um like so i can't understand like what more about the kids and try to actually get them a christmas that they like so that's how i do the christmas angel one and then um my back to school fundraiser I just raise money on like a GoFundMe account and I go out and buy school supplies and I get the local listings that are right around me. And then I either take them to schools or I work with those charities to see which kids need school supplies and um, I donate them back to you know, I want to I want to commend you. A lot of folks within the industry will make sure and focus on charities only within the industry, and I think that's great. But I, I really love the fact that you don't feel the need to to do that or, or key in on all of the same things that that cross over with some of your other, you know, social or online or, or professional interests. Uh, so I want to commend you on just doing things that are true to your heart. That's very uh, authentic. So uh, props to you for that. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I. I really like doing this. I mean, how how it all started was me and my mom always used to buy Christmas angels growing up. Like, I can't remember a Christmas that passed that we didn't buy at least, like, three kids' angels. And I just loved doing it so much, and I kept wanting to buy more, but my bank account said no. <laughs> and um, I know that so feeling. I, yeah, so I found a way to be able to use my following and as well as provide for local charities and kids that need to be a little extra help. Well, that's great. I uh, I want to switch gears a little bit there, Kendall, unless you got any other charities you want to talk about. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the one of the other big ones that I do is I work with, this one is actually within the industry. So, yeah, I love doing um, those ones on my own that just help out the local people. And um, I can reach out to my followers, and I help some of them sometimes as well. But I also do Trinity Oaks, which is a nonprofit based out of San Antonio, Texas. And each year they do a young girl's turkey hunt. And so I go and volunteer and I guide the little girls. They all range from like eight to probably 15 or 16. And there's like six to eight girls in each group. And um, they get to come out and shoot a turkey for free of charge. That is amazing. That's a, that's a really good one there. I like that. Yeah. yeah. So those are my main three that I really have going. Of course, I would like to expand, but time kind of limits it. So, Kendall, I was, uh, I, I think, gosh, I don't know, it's been a, a couple weeks back, maybe a few weeks back, that I saw your uh, video on uh, on YouTube. It's basically your story, um, and I don't, I don't want to mess up the title. What's the title of that? Um, Kendall Jones, A Relentless True Story. Okay. Yeah, so and and that was that was really amazing and we've already talked a little bit about, you know, your your past there and how you got, you know, kind of thrust into the limelight a little bit there. But you take care of an entire ranch now, is that right? Yeah, I mean, I don't do it alone, but that is definitely one of my responsibilities now. Okay. So you you do have some help on that at least. That's good. How, how big's the ranch? Oh, yeah. I get I could not do this by myself at all. I mean, um, so the ranch was my dad, and whenever he passed away, we have the ranch and we didn't live out here for three years. And um, now we live here. And I hired a girl that helps me in the office, so she helps me um, with my brand, but as well as the ranches, um, the Starbuck Ranch. And then we also have. make new roads and do the boy work and stuff and that kind of keeps it in line and me and my mom we do more of like the decision making and um like new ideas and all that kind of stuff awesome how, how big is the ranch um the ranch is a little over 800 acres oh wow a, i would say it's about i would round up and say a thousand acres you know that's that's tough for coming from Southern Indiana. That's kind of hard to wrap your mind around because, you know, where we're at, we hunt parcels in the size of like uh, forty acres. Yep. You know that's that's kind of what we're doing here. You know, if you if you have a hundred acre parcel, you're you know you're you're you walking in tall bit. cotton. You know, and um, that that's funny because here that isn't a big ranch at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's probably that's really I mean, small. I wouldn't say at all. It's still a lot of land, but. There's definitely a lot bigger ones. What what type of uh, wildlife you have on the ranch there? So it is a high fence exotic game ranch, and um, we have, of course, we have whitetail, but we also have axis and addicts and fallow and wildebeest and zebra and we in different kinds of ram. We probably have twelve different species. Sweet. So I mean, do you have? Uh... Do you have hunts there that you you have folks come in and hunt those, or I mean, how do you manage that population? Yeah, so um, yeah, so it's an operating hunting ranch, but okay. we also do breeding as well, just like growing the herds and making sure like the animals populate. And then we have sold them before we buy them, so it's all a business. 
Sounds like you have a lot of irons in the fire. Yes, but um, I do want to say since you do have pro- y'all don't have a lot of high fence ranches there, do y'all? No, no, we 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 just I don't know of any actually. I mean, I'm sure there's some in the state somewhere, but it's it's just a it's like I mean. To us, Texas is almost like a different country altogether. I mean, it's uh, it's totally <laughs> I mean, I different. I can't disagree there. Yeah, I mean, what we're hunting, we we hunt. Uh, it's a mixture of hardwoods and and ag, and it's yeah, you know, we hunt Kentucky and Indiana and have hunted Illinois, yeah, and different I've, states. I've so. been up there and like kind of been. I just haven't. I didn't know if y'all had high fences, but no. um, yeah. So that it, that goes back to what we first started talking about is the divide within our industry and I know high fence hunting gets like a lot of flack and I personally don't go on any of the high fence hunts around here um I don't even hunt my ranch except we do have like 50 acres low fence that I will try to sit in a few times a year but um the what people get mad about about the high fence they just think it's a free-for-all and that's not what it's all about it's like they're contained and they can't get out but really some of the animals we have on our ranch are extinct or endangered in their native countries so like where they came from and that's one of the um, one of the responsibilities of having a high fence ranch is making sure those numbers populate and grow the herds and make sure those animals aren't ever going to go extinct. And so I think that a lot of people might feel weird about it. And I get it. Um, I understand why people don't like high fence hunting, and I totally understand, but people need to know that there's a good that goes behind it as well. Absolutely. I mean, and I know there's there's things like captive deer herds that, uh, that you know, are, are beneficial. Uh, but and like you said, it kind of goes back to the whole thing. Um, just because... Dave Barrett doesn't want to go and hunt in a high fenced ranch. Doesn't mean that it's not okay for Kendall Jones or you know Johnny Pace or or anybody. You know, and and we need to make sure that that we are doing the best we can to create a united front when we're going against anti hunters and um, the perception that we put out there. Because well, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head, Kendall. I mean, if you don't agree with something, then stay out of it. And if it's yeah. if it's positive, you do agree with it, and you think it paints the the entire activity in a good light well then chime in on it or share it or, or... yeah pro- promote that and just ignore what you don't like and hope not everybody gets persuaded by it a hundred percent but another thing about high fence hunting that i think is great is i think it allows the opportunity for people to get into the outdoors like people that don't really know much they want to go on a hunt but they don't want it to be super duper hard like they've never been out in a blind before or they want to bring their kids or there's older people that won't ever get the opportunity to go to a different country to kill some of these animals. It gives them the opportunity. And especially like with disabled veterans or disabled kids or um, kids that are sick, I think high fence hunting is great for those opportunities. It's still getting people in the outdoors. Well, Kendall, thank you so much for, for sharing on not only the, the ranch, but your story, the, the philanthropic efforts, uh, chiming in with us on a little bit of a, a spiel here. We've gone on about just doing things the right way online and, and out in the public. So thank you so much. We want to give you the chance to tell everybody where they can keep up with you and what you have coming for 2020, just where they can find out more about Kendall Jones. Yeah, 
Yeah, I have a lot of things in the works for 2020. I'm super excited about it. I actually leave for ATA tomorrow, and that starts trade show season. So I'll be at a lot of the shows if any of you guys will be there. Be sure yeah, to check uh, my, my media. JP's not able to make it there, but uh, you know I'll be there with my fiance, and uh, we'll probably catch up with you and say hello. Yeah, and if any of your listeners want to come and see me at some of the shows, I'll be posting a schedule of when I'll be at what booth and whatnot. So I'd love for everyone to come by and say hi. That sounds good. And and what is your uh, I'm you know your social media? Uh, is it just yeah, under Kendall Jones my or? Yeah, my Instagram is underscore Kendall Jones underscore. My Facebook is official Kendall Jones. And um, my YouTube, you can just YouTube.com slash Kendall Jones. Awesome. Very good. Well, thank you so much. Hang with us through the break. You're listening to Pro Talk Outdoors. All right, guys, we're going to put the bow on this and the finishing touches. Hope everybody had a great holiday, a good Christmas, Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever the the heck it is you celebrate, a new year. Uh, make 2020 awesome. You know, I'm not much on the, you know, the, the the standard cliche resolutions, but I think if you're not always trying to be a better person every I'm single getting in the gym every single day, then uh, <laughs> something wrong with you. You don't need a January 1st to inspire you to do that. Let me tell you thing. what my New Year's resolution is. What is it? Catch a ton of fish. Man, Big don't fish. say those things to me. I you can't know wait, man. that's my love. And then obviously, I mean, hopefully weather will cooperate and we'll have better food plots than we had this year because True. of the drought and uh, no EHD and we're going to kill some big deer next year too. Well, or this year, this you, year. You know, uh, last year I had a pretty good outdoors year. I, I didn't, uh, I don't think I gave it the due that I should have. I killed two turkeys, each of them on opening day of the respective state. I caught a giant smallmouth bass, and I caught some other good fish. Had a, a few great hunts sitting in the tree with you, even though we didn't, you know, get a chance at a shot at a big deer. Uh, all in all, man, it was still a great year, even it, though I didn't was. fill a buck tag. Yeah, I, I, did, I haven't filled a buck tab, tag yet. It's not but, over. But, you know, I will say, looking back on it, it's been a fantastic year. Been on some great fishing trips with uh, with you, with Savannah, and, and uh, you know, kids, and uh, we've caught a lot of fish, a lot of really good fish. Caught a couple musky, which was just bucket list stuff for me. That was awesome. A lot of good turkey hunts. Uh, you know, couldn't ask for a better year. It's been a great year, and uh, I'm ready to do it again in 2020. Well, okay, then, then let's just wrap it up with this. Give me three things you want to accomplish in the outdoors for 2020. I'm putting you on the spot. I'm going to say one thing. You're not giving me three? No, I'm not going to give you three. It's all about one. It's kind of going to run together a little bit. I just want to enjoy the year with my family and friends. Okay, that's fair. And you remember that was on my list last year was to spend more time in the tree with yep. with, with my friends and people I was close to or, or on the boat or anywhere. Yeah, because honestly, and and I mean this 100%, and I'm in a good place with it, I don't I don't have to fill a tag to feel like no, I've had a good year. No, not at all. I, I really just enjoy spending time. Like, I love going fishing and hunting with Savannah, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. love going fishing with you. And hell, I love fishing, man. So I just want to go fishing all the time. But <laughs> I it's it's the entire experience. I, I just really enjoy it. And, it. and it makes it so much sweeter when you get to enjoy it with friends and family. It really does. I know it sounds cliche, but it sends it over the top. It's just a great experience. So I, and, and 
that's my wish for 2020. And also, I'll add a second one. I hope that everybody listening to this can do the same and spend time with their friends and family and enjoy their outdoors. Well, I'm, I'm not going to cheat. I'm going to honor my own question, even though I really do like your answer. I'm going to give three. So number one is experience something in the outdoors I've never experienced, whether that's, you know, chasing a fish I've never chased, catching a fish I've never caught, chasing a species in the woods or a field that I've never – just do something I've right. never, ever done. Number two, take somebody out that's never, ever done it before, that, that's never experienced something within the outdoors. I, I don't know who it is or what activity it is, but that's on the list. And number three is wake up and walk out into the field or the woods on the farm that I'm moving on to and have it be mine for the very first time ever instead of a place that I have permission to go. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. We we went out there and uh, was, you know, going to gonna shoot some guns, and uh, it was pretty awesome just being out there. I, I, I can only imagine how you felt, the pride and the, the fact of the ownership of the property. But It's pretty awesome. Uh, what a beautiful piece of property and so quiet. I just love that it's, it's deafening ser- noise of quiet. It's serene, and it's a it's going to be a dream come true. Looking forward to what 2020 has in store for that. And, uh, man, hey, thank you so much for, for everything. And I know you're going to be, my be pleasure, a, big, man. a big help on that, uh, especially digging those post holes, man. Oh, yeah. All right, guys. Well, that's it for today. Until next time, Hooker or Hunter, Pro Talk Outdoors. Later, guys. Thank you.